We bid you adieu. We bid you adieu. We sign off this wonderful, beautiful Seattle March night. And we're going to um, we're going to put this ending at the start of the video, just like they did in Climax. Yeah, that makes sense. That's actually that. Yeah, that makes sense to do. And we're going to do that. We're going to do and that. It's, like, it's called nonlinear editing, pussy. Pussy. <laughs> and we're going to be like, you have enjoyed a film by Grasper No. And then he's going to like cross his arms and he's like, you haven't even watched it yet. <laughs> you've, you've been watching a film by Crisper Gnome. And halfway through, I'm going to credit all the actors and the music that's in yeah. this. <laughs> I believe in using every part of the buffalo when it comes to the visual field of, of film, the art of film, but fuck that. <laughs> fuck you, Noe. Fuck your graphic design and fuck your life. Goodbye, you bastard man. Fuck art. Do male directors deserve rights? No. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Welcome to... Another Film Critters Processes. Film Critters Processes. My name is Baru. And I'm G not doing this bit anymore. Uh, I'm Jay Bear Hat. I'm just, oh God, just getting over a sickness. Great intro, everybody. Um, uh, take we two. Watched, take two. Hi. Hi. We watched, uh, mm. we watched two movies recently. We watched the movies. We want to talk about them with you. One we watched today, and that's the one we're watching about second. And the other we watched fuck, two, two, two weeks ago. Week and a half ago, maybe? I fucking, who knows, honestly. It's, it's, we were like, let's wait till we see another movie, because we don't know how long we're going to talk about it. But that first movie um, is Greta. Greta! Greta was okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the thing about Greta is that it really enticed me. It's, it's, it's Obviously, it kind of comes across as this, like, sort of... Uh, would you describe it as like I wouldn't even say John Water. I think you described it as like Mommy Dearest or something. Yeah, like no, that. I said like the the trailer for it. I said like give it like a Mommy Dearest, but like stalker vibe to it. Yeah, and then the tra the like reviews that I saw were like praising it. They're not praising it, but being like kind of like a a B movie, but with like some like dramatic interest to it. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's like right up my fucking alley. Like Mommy Dearest, but like a horror, but like actually films as a horror film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, to a certain extent, I mean, like, some of the performances and stuff were, like, really good. Um, I really liked, uh, who is the main character? The, the girl, Chloe? Um, Chloe no, Grace. or sorry, not the, not the main character, the other main character, Isabel uh, Huppert. Yeah. Uh, as, as Greta Hedag. Um, I thought that, I thought that she was fun. Um, and also really underutilized, actually. Surprisingly, yeah. No, so this is like one of those films where there's, uh, I described it as like the quintessential, like your brain is so big, but your skull is so small. Um, yeah. Great acting. There's a lot of like really great things in the movie that just jut out from what is kind of a like disappointingly template film. Yeah, it's... It's very, it's very boilerplate as far as just kind of the thriller notes and like this sort of obsession that doesn't really go very deep or like isn't very interesting. It's kind of just this character who's like, uh, I don't know, kind of, kind of played in this, in this very sort of, uh, just obsessive way. But like, so like if you, if you didn't see the film, um, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay. I, I I would recommend seeing it 
maybe like on Netflix. It'll probably come or like Hulu, whatever, whatever yeah. streaming service it comes to. But um, basically, Greta, the titular Greta, mm-hmm. uh, is stalking the non-titular Francis. Yeah, Francis. Francis. Um, who is like, it's like Francis is just like, she, she lives in New York. She's got mom trauma because her mom died recently. Uh, very, very kind of, which is like a weird thing, theme now I've been seeing in like recent horror films because mm-hmm. this is also Happy Death Day. Anyway, um, yeah. And then like she finds a bag on the, on the subway and she takes it to Greta and then they start to form a sort of like friendship. Uh, yeah. but it's like a very like, you know, like maternal, like, oh, I'm your pl- replacement for your daughter who lives far away in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're my replacement for my mom who's dead. Uh, and I actually really like the scene where like her friend calls her out on it. Like yeah. her friend is just like, oh, it's like, are you really pre- trying to pretend to yourself that like, this isn't a like, s- like, uh, what is she like a supplemental mother figure? Yeah. Um, and then she finds out like, oh. Greta has a whole bunch of bags with different people's names on them because this is like a weird scam she pulls where she manipulates the situations to like get close to and kind of be a protective figure of these like random women. Uh, And then it just gets worse and worse where she just like starts to stalk her and then kidnaps her. Yeah. Uh, And it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's a movie that I think if I saw it as like, I think if I, if it were made in the seventies, I would give it a lot of leeway. Yeah, um, I could I could definitely see. I also feel like if it was made in the seventies, it would have like just that just enough of that exploitation vibe to it that mm. it would like work better too. Yeah, in, in some ways, not I, like exploitation in the like term exploitation in like the genre because I feel like exploitation films were sure. sort of like that sort of like oh we're dealing with like just fucking whatever the fuck we want so like you can get more like people are more willing to do like interesting shit in their movie mm. yeah and i i think that uh i don't know i i i think that it just kind of came off as like a little bit toothless for me i i think that uh, especially chloe grace morris did or did she had like a good performance but i think that her i think that she's a little bit miscast and a little bit like you know, oh, I'm, I'm such a, I'm such a, like, I don't know, like, in a way, it does make sense. Like, I, I kind of, I kind of vibed with her on, on certain fronts as just, like, the Aangs are like, oh, I'm the, you know, I, I'm the, like, dumb country girl in the city. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to give my number to a random old woman. And she's... I'm, I'm the teen Disney star of the film. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I assumed Chloe Grace is a teen Disney star. It's, it's weird that she's miscasting this, too, because she's wonderfully cast in Suspiria. Really? She's the main... Yeah, she's like the main... Or not the main character. She's um, she's the girl who goes missing in Suspiria. Okay. I'm, but I, she's really, really good. She's like incredible in it. And I'm it's so weird seeing her very clearly getting more like normal acting, directing in this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to give a spotlight to Micah Monroe's character, uh, Erica. Uh but I mean, it's obvious we're looking at the run to me. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're <laughs> I don't want it to seem like we we care enough about this movie to care about the like characters' names. Uh, but like the, the the movie having these good moments led to this thing where the, um, like the Isabel Hubbard's character drugs Chloe Grace Moretz's character's character like a bunch of times throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, and then there's this thing where uh, Micah Monroe's character drugs her in return, and there's this like really good reveal of just like oh shit. Her friend's coming to save her, and she's, like, drugging. She's, like, giving her a taste of her own medicine, and she's, like, you know, 
um, but it it feels like it also it feels like it comes really it comes at a really weird time. Yeah, in the movie, I I do really like the, in that reveal where she's just like, "Do you know how many fucking subway trains I had to take to like find your goddamn purse?" Yeah, just like the only thing she knows about Greta to find her is like the the calling card she uses and just like using that to hunt her down. Mm-hmm. There's a um, <clears throat> I think what I like about it is that this is one of the few films that I feel like represents female friendship with mild, mildly sapphic undertones, but female friendship in a way that like actually feels like the director has talked to girls who are friends with each other. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> because like they're like kind of mean to each other a little bit, but it's like obvious they care to, about each other. And like the the length to which she goes to save her friend uh, like matches the sort of campiness of the film. Yeah. But like conveys that kind of dedication to like a friend that Mm -hmm. I feel like you rarely see in Hollywood films between two women. Absolutely. I I really loved the depth and like the complexity of their relationship. Uh, And I I felt kind of, I felt kind of like uh, that same depth and complexity was really left out between uh, Chloe Grace Moritz's character and Isabel Hubbard's character, just because like the, like the fundamental problem with the movie is that it's just like, Here's a here's a relatively close up shot of Isabel Huppert's face and a musical sting. <laughs> like like it there's all of this ill portent of just like, oh, what if she has bad intentions? And then all of a sudden at the end of the movie it's like, yeah, she did have bad she intentions. Did have bad intentions. But, and it, but it's like then they're then like for the first seventy five percent of the runtime, you're just supposed to be scared of Isabel Huppert and you're supposed to be like scared and intimidated by her, like confronting Chloe Grace Moretz at this like restaurant. Or like I don't even know if you're supposed to be scared, but it's just this silly scene where she where she's just like you are ignoring me you are you are leaving me alone you you should love me and like all this stuff and and it just doesn't really land there's so many see this, on the note of the french accent there's like so many things that i love that are brilliant like there's a part when she talks to there, there's a reveal basically that um her daughter is not in france which is horribly post-dubbed in when Francis finds her like mail to her daughter and it's been returned and it's like a local address and she just goes and like very clearly added an extreme post-production. I thought you were in France. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> such a, such an obvious studio, like mandated line. It's so bad. There's a lot of stuff. There's like a, that. there's a lot of like, that's, I think probably one of the biggest things. I feel like the film probably two or three rewrites back had a lot more that you can see in it that's really good and there's mm. definitely a lot of things that I feel like were studio mandated to like make it a very basic film I could be wrong it is just it is just the guy who directed Vampire <laughs> or uh, what is it Dave Vampire or Queen of the Damned I think it was uh, <laughs> Interview of a Vampire oh my god you went through so many different fucking names I but fucked like... it up yeah <laughs> Interview with a vampire. Um, yeah, he did it. He did a lot of shit. Yeah, no, he's done a lot of like stuff, and like it could just be like you know that's just the kind of director he is. But I could, he also did Breakfast on Pluto. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it could just also be like you know the studio like mandated the film uh, be less less smart. Breakfast on. Oh wait, you know I saw the title Breakfast on Pluto, and I just kind of assumed that it was the uh, Eddie Murphy movie. Or he goes to like Pluto. Pluto Nash. Pluto Nash. <laughs> Jesus I, Christ. I was because I remember when I, like right before we went in, I was like, "Yep, what else he directed?" And I was like, "Wow, he's gone like Interview of a Vampire to Pluto to Pluto Nash." <laughs> Eddie Eddie Murphy 
mistaking Pluto Nash and Breakfast on Pluto is particularly <laughs> funny looking at what Breakfast on Pluto actually is. Yeah, put some, put some photos on screen of what Breakfast on Pluto actually yeah. looks like uh, and then put just the cover of Pluto Nash. <laughs> Great. Uh, that's a that's that's a movie mashup and made in made in history. Thanks, Cillian Murphy, for playing a transvestite. You did a great job. <laughs> I'm sure Oscar worthy performance. I mean, not for nothing. Cillian Murphy would look good. Cillian Murphy SGG. is serving like some serving. some mommy vibes. Yeah, Greta. The movie we're talking about. Um, so yeah, there's like there, a reveal where it's like not only is her daughter not in France, but also is dead. The most, like, also, <laughs> the most easy to, like, telegraph. Yeah. Shit, like, ever. But, I do like that it's also revealed that, like, oh yeah, her daughter was also, like, a lesbian, and Greta was, like, super, like, extremely abusive in a way that basically, like, traumatized her for life, and so even, yeah. like, with her trying to find retreat in her partner, whom is, like, portrayed as very loving and caring, mm. it's also just, like, ultimately, like, I couldn't, like, you know, ultimately, I couldn't heal her mm. and like no one could really heal her which i thought was like a really like sympathetic portrayal of like trauma and abuse and how it fucks you up yeah. uh, i did think they then immediately squander what a good scene that is by having her lover just go or her girlfriend just go like you know she always said i hated that box and I thought she meant a metaphorical box that Greta put her in, but now I think she means a literal box. And I was like, <laughs> I feel like that's a mistake you make once. <laughs> I feel like that's a mistake you make once, and then your partner says a little bit more about it, and you're like, oh, you mean an actual box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was all this subtext being played with of just, like, it, it being this kind of, like daddy like emotional labor relationship of of just like Greta being like this kind of you know this like older older studies is gonna like buy her all this shit uh and and like be her basically be her mommy um and and like there's a kind of lesbian subtextual aspect to it but it, it is also like in this very sort of like it it does it's it kind of goes unexplored and it's kind yeah. of just like it's kind of just pointing at the concept of lesbianism. There's there's a lot of like just like little flags of ideas that I feel like either were in the draft at some point or weren't taken out. Yeah, that like because like they decided not to it. There's... And you could say that their relationship is congruous to like a relationship where you, where it's just like someone's really trying to kind of overly emotionally provide for you, but it's actually like they're also. Like, them doing that is framing you as the emotional provider for them, and that... It's like a like, codependency thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then the movie being like, hey, her relationship with her, you know, with, like, her friend, uh, it, like, who, like, takes her to task and, like, and, and like, is honest with her is, is a better relationship. I just realized, I never even picked up on it, but there's even a subtle, like, way in which there's sort of, like, her friend provides those things for her, because her friend... It is revealed the film is literally housing her. Yeah. Like there's because there's like a bit where it's like they're in New York and we see the studio and we're like, how the fuck do they afford this? And then they explain in the movie where she's like, oh, yeah, like she's talking to Greta and she's like, my friend, um, my friend's father just owns the studio. So he lets us like live in it. And so there's this like implication of like, oh, your friend is like what you were looking for in Greta. You actually are getting from your friend, which yeah. is like physical security, like emotional willingness to be there for you but also like a willingness to like 
confront you when you're like doing bad decisions or push you outside your boundaries when it's like, hey, you're really withdrawn in a way that's like not healthy for you. Mm-hmm. And I think is prolonging your grieving period. So the film kind of ends up having this like weird like dynamic of like the difference between somebody who's there for you post-trauma or post-loss in a way that basically preys on it and like, yeah. ah, I will replace that role for you and get my mm-hmm validation. And the difference between someone who's like, hey, I know what you need, which is someone who's there for you and listens to you, but also someone who's going to be like, we're going to a bar. bitch Bitch. (laughs) we're going on a fucking vacay (laughs) we're doing normal shit we're gonna you gotta fucking you gotta learn how to fucking live after a loss i I also feel like there's like like with the lesbian thing it's like the movie just like point points at it yeah uh like there's like i I mentioned it before it's like i like the setup of like um when she's when greta is leaving a message with her at one point what out of like millions of messages she leaves after she like confronts her and is like we're not friends anymore yeah um one of the things she writes is like oh you've left me in this well of loneliness which is a very very famous lesbian like historical novel historical in the sense that it was written in like the 1800s uh and it's about a lesbian woman who lesbian maybe trans masked kind of there's there's like arguments about it because like she lived as a man but that was so that she could fuck women and get away with it Hmm. Um, and the well of loneliness is a very, very famous lesbian text. And so I was like, that's a really weird phrasing. And then it's revealed later. Oh, her daughter is a lesbian. So I was like, there's this like theme in the movie too, of how Greta puts on affects and like kind of just takes things from other people and makes them her. Yeah. So you have the, the, like the nurse and that's how she gets her access to her drugs or whatever. You have, uh, the, the funny line where it's like, she's not even French. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) she's Hungarian or whatever it is. Oh my god! Like all of these things where it's like, oh, she just like takes things from other people, which is like a real like if you've ever encountered that kind of personality, that is like a a real scary personality. Like when you talk to someone, you realize, oh, seventy five percent of what you've said to me is just like repeated (laughs) from somewhere else. Yeah, it's which is another thing where it's like I wish they had leaned more into that, like more into the idea of like her finding like. Her leaving seeds for the audience to piece together that, like, not only is Greta, like, manipulating the situation, but Greta is, like, the the faces that Greta is putting forward aren't even, like, from her. They're from someone else. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it, 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 says, it says a lot of things that are, like, interesting and then kind of. It, it, it doesn't really wrap things up very effectively, but, you know... It, it really just kind of resolves it into, like... If you've ever seen or heard of the movie Obsession, the Beyoncé movie, that is just the single white female kind of film, but it's got Beyoncé in it. <laughs> that's, that's the main reason why it's noteworthy. But it's, like, that very stock genre of, like, obsessive person outside of a relationship or outside of a dynamic stalking a person and becoming increasingly like oh sorry obsessed not obsession oh this piece of shit yeah that that extremely flop of a film but it's like to me it's like i remember watching it and it's like oh this is like beat for beat every one of those kinds of stories and greta is unfortunately that kind of movie as well which is a shame because there's a lot more interesting ideas they're working with yeah I think I think Greta's like a step up from this type of movie. No, Greta, Greta is several steps up. It's just it's disappointing that it doesn't quite rise outside of that genre. Mm. I I did like the double fake out they do where you think that she had a nightmare 
and then it turns out that she's actually having a nightmare God. and she is in the box. That that was fucking co- that like so goofy. <laughs> that I wish the whole movie was willing to be as goofy as that entire sequence was because it was so fucking goofy. Yeah. Ugh. Like it the movie kind of straddles the line between being legitimately good and legitimately like bad good if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um and and it kind of just doesn't really fall on either side in a way that makes it like way forgettable. Um which is frustrating for which is frustrating especially for a movie like this that could be so much more interesting than it is. It's a it's a parents DVD shelf movie. It's a yeah. movie your parents have on DVD and so you've seen it but like maybe you've seen it a bunch because your parents have it on DVD. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not really a movie you have like strong feelings about except for yeah, us yeah. which is strong disappointment <laughs> yeah <laughs> strong strong wishing and and hoping and praying for i, I feel like I've, I've this has been like the problem so lately is oftentimes me seeing a movie and being like wow i really wish somebody made this movie but like way better <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of speaking of that well what do you what would you rather have spent your ticket price on uh for greta so yeah. let's say what, what are we using ten dollars right ten or fifteen uh yeah let's, ah, fuck it ten eleven well, ten ten to fifteen dollars um what would i have rather spent it on um i really like weird novelty like mom stuff like i've got this like world's greatest mom cup somewhere around here uh-huh. like just like a bunch of those yeah yeah, that's, that's like because that's also you know like ironic mom quiche. What would you have rather spent your ten to fifteen dollars on? Um, a ten dollar IKEA nightstand, which I actually recently did, and it changed my life. <laughs> um, it gave you the emotional support that you needed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's giving me the emotional and physical support that I need to continue living my life. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't rather have spent ten to fifteen dollars in an IKEA candy pick and mix bag because the shit that I got was fucking stale. <laughs> Um, I would have rather have not spent it on like, God, what? Oh, like stale Happy Mother's Day candy from Rite Aid. Blech. It's so gross. I mean, you know, it's... why moms deserve better than the candy. Valentine's do. Day, you get great candy. Mo- Mother's Day candy is just like chalky chocolate. Yeah, it's bullshit. That's garbage. I mean, I don't know. To be fair, you did you do get about you do get about two hundred pounds of candy for ten to fifteen dollars after after the holiday. Yeah, you have to like throw it on the cart that your car is towing behind it. <laughs> you're, you're you're you put a single thing of like rolls of toilet paper that you need for the house in it because yeah. you just don't want to admit that you're buying this much chocolate <laughs> and you're hoping it'll somewhat obscure it, but there's just so much that you're not obscuring any of it. It's, uh, I gotta buy uh, I, I, uh, protein drinks. Protein drinks. Protein I'm, drinks. I'm, I'm, I'm getting in shirt. You know, I don't. Uh, I, I haven't been eating breakfast in the morning because I've been just rushing out the door. Aloe water. It's the new wave. It's like a colonic, but you can, for your you, head. And you can body. drink it, and you can also rub it on your skin. Yeah. And if you get a wound, I think you can disinfect it. Yeah. You disinfect <laughs> your soul. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So, even a, a step below Greta. Yeah. In the disappointment scale. Would you say you were more disappointed or less disappointed? By Climax? Yeah. Climax by way, Gaspar Noah. Way more disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Climax stood a lot more to gain, I think. Yeah, because Climax was like, I was like hyped for Climax. Yeah, uh, what is what has Climax even got on um, on, on here? Rotten, on rotted this, on, on the rotted tomatoes. Because tomato I already website. I already saw that Greta was straddling that line and I was yeah. like, okay, movies that are at this are always like either I'm gonna love them or I'm gonna really hate them. 
uh, because I tend to really like mixed. Oh, I'm actually surprised that it's only a 72% because that's probably about what I would give this movie. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I, a little late, maybe 60s. I, it's kind of hard to say. Like, I'm also shocked by the audience and the critics liking it exactly the same. That's, you know, that's how you can tell the fucking algorithm's working. Ooh, Climax is a lower score than Captain Marvel. Hey, how's that feel, Gasper? <laughs> <laughs> Gasper the friendly ghost ass bitch. <laughs> Gasper, no way. More like Gasper, no way you're beating Captain Marvel. Oh, it, is oh. uh, man, they should put Gaspar Noe in charge of a Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Oh uh, my God, would they allow him? I mean, I guess Logan was supposed to be pretty upsetting. <laughs> I, I guess they'd just be like, all right, Gasper, you can, you can do... Um, uh, an Ant-Man movie. So let's talk a little bit about Gaspar <laughs> Noe, actually. All right. Um, uh, have you seen any of his other films? I tried. I got through a good chunk of Reversible, but I saw it when I was in college, so okay. I was probably dumb. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I did really like it, but I also didn't finish it because it made me physically ill. Okay. <laughs> Which is like a benefit to the film. To, to Like that's a plus in its favor because that's definitely what it was going for. It just worked way too well. <laughs> yeah, I see that. It was it was too effective. Yeah. <laughs> um, because doesn't the rape, the rape happen, like, halfway through that film? Irreversible, yeah. I want to say. I haven't seen it. Because I know but... I didn't get to that part. Mm. It was, like, maybe, like, right before it is, like, okay. when the movie gets gets wacky. And then I never saw Enter the Void because I always heard bad to mixed about um, it. I've seen Enter the Void. Um, I kind of and am, am, I, I am generally in agreement with what people say about Gaspar Noé, except for the positive stuff that people say about Gaspar <laughs> Like, I, I really think that his technical ability... Um, as a cinematographer and as, like, the shots that he chooses is, like, really interesting. And a lot of Enter the Void I watched and I was like, man, I really don't know how they did this. Like, this is really cool. And then you realize that you're sitting there wasting your fucking life away watching the most fucking, like, absolutely just navel-gazy bullshit. Like, the most, like, the most annoying, like, what if this? Like, like what if you're just looking at this right now and, like, I'm saying this about this and you're just, like... You're just, it's, it's like talking to a burner that you want to strangle who like, you know, is just going to be like an MMA lifestyler in like 10, 10 to 15 years. Oh God. Like, like, you know, who's like, I'm on a health kick. Like that kind of guy, <laughs> like who, like Gaspar Noe, here's my thing. Gaspar Noe is a narc. Uh, like there's no way that he is doing drugs in the way that he says that he's doing drugs. Cause like, okay. Uh, we, we had a whole discussion about this. It's definitely yeah. like when, when you read articles about how techies have like big orgies where they do yeah. like Molly and LSD and stuff, but it's like, oh, that's so cool and rebellious. But yeah. also we're doing this because we have like $300,000 security yeah, exactly. to watch come over to us. The, come to the fucking key party. It's in Bellevue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, make sure that you pay the fucking like toll and everything. Uh, no, it's fucking bullshit. Like you can bring every guy. You have to bring three girls. Yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of parties. That's literally it. I want to know. I want to know what Gaspar Noe looks like. Does he look like that? Wait, is that him? That's actually oh, him. Fuck. He looks like he looks like he's throwing Superman off he, a cliff. God, he looks like the guy. <laughs> he looks like the guy at the party doing like fire spinning, like fire play. Can we look at his five favorite films. Gaspar oh, Noe looks God. like What's looks like a movies? looks like a a Navi otherkin. Yeah. So we actually yeah they're at the beginning of the movie. Uh, there's like well the beginning of the movie after the ending <coughs> of the movie. Oh my God! <laughs> Shut up. 
there's like this shot where there's all of these like books that are uh, books and movies are on this like CRT like television about like these people. I was like, would you do anything to be famous? Like, what, you know, blah 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 blah. What do you, oh, we're gonna interview two of you now, but only like some, but only like arbitrarily because yeah. <laughs> because I don't want to try to figure out how to write these two characters talking as if they're individual people and not a joint hive mind. <laughs> God, yeah. Um, and like, there's all these, there's all these VHSs on the side, like a possession and Suspiria and like all of this. Inauguration of the Pleasure it Dome. Felt, it felt very, it felt very Pinterest to me. Just it, like. It was very much just like, wow, here are movies I could be watching instead. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It made me really excited to see Suspiria though, from everything that Jay told me about Suspiria. Um, I, I forget, did you see the original? No, I haven't seen the original. The original. Um, I watched it. It's definitely worth watching, but I feel like it has not aged super well. Visually, it's still a super striking film, but like mm. in terms of the actual movie, it's it's a seventies like Italian horror film. Sure. Uh, it's not super upsetting, but it's very. There's a part where a character slowly lowers herself from like uh, like a thing where she snuck out of a room and then just immediately steps down off of the crate that she's on, and it's just ensnared in barbed wire. <laughs> oh my God. But it's like such the like 70s goofy Italian thing where it's like she steps down, immediately falls, and then she's underneath all of this like chicken wire that's on the oh ground. And it's like, what, how did you, how did you do that? <laughs> it's like, it, it's like the, the, the cinematic Italian horror f- equivalent of like a family guy bit where like Peter falls over and it's one frame long. Uh, climax. Who oh boy. Um, Okay. Accurate acid depiction. Let's just say that. I, I like that it's like all of his other movies have way worse reviews. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Irreversible. Everyone's just like, fuck this. And, you know, honestly, like, okay. The, the, yeah. So the things that I was impressed by about this movie. A, the acid come up where. God, he, he really does capture that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it feels very ac- accurate. It feels everything on the corner of the vision is just like blurry and like, it's kind of just like, whoa, I'm, I'm becoming high now, dude. Oh, yeah, shit. No, it's kicking in. It's kicking It's kicking in. Am I high yet? And then at a certain point, it just kind of becomes like this thing where it's just like, oh, that's happening. I don't like that. No. Oh, that's happening? Sure. I like that, I guess. Oh, that's happening. I don't like... Oh, wait. Actually, I do like that. I I did say... I will say he did capture the level of, like, when you're just at an acid party that's falling apart. Yeah. And it's just, like, people are just, like, fucking around. And it's just, like, you see it and there's, like, a part of your brain that's, like... Oh, I should really stop that. And you're like, oh, I can't. oh man, walking over there is going to be so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they really, they really capture just the, the feeling of being on acid at like a party or something like that and seeing something and being like, man, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but the yeah. problem is the man that sucks also applies to watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's this thing where the characters are looking at things and going, man, that sucks. But the thing that they're looking at is, uh, a trans woman, trans woman being raped by her brother after being spiked, after having her punch spiked, or like a kid who uh, somebody who's like way too high on acid, like a kid whose mom locked him. I'm spoiling the movie because fuck it. Yeah. A kid whose mom locked him in an electrical room, and the kid goes up and he touches all the electrical devices, and it, and it electrocutes him to death, and the mom k- kills herself outside of the door. Like that's the level of tastelessness that we are working with here uh, in the premise of something that is conceptually has so much potential and could be so interesting and could say something. It's 
So the, the reason I also don't care about spoiling those elements of the film is because they're all played for shock. Oh, I can't believe it goes there. Yeah. The frame where the child appears, I turned to Baru and I was like, oh, that kid's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I was it's... like, I was like the second. Oh, the mom really likes the kid. He's out of here. So like. <laughs> she locks him in the electrical room and is like, don't touch anything. You'll die. And I'm yeah. like, you don't need to say that. Yeah. You just lock him in the electrical room. I have a brain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know what you're going to do, Gaspar Noah, because you make movies like this. Yeah, because you're this fucking asshole. If you wanted to really shock and surprise me, the kid would die because he tries to eat a rat. <laughs> <laughs> Although the setup to that scene where, like, while people are starting to freak out, they're talking, you can see in the background the kid downstairs, and he's trying to, like, look, I'm an adult, too, and he drinks some of the sangria, and, like... The, the Gabber Nazi guy just, like, walks up, but he's like, look what your kid is doing. Yeah. <laughs> that was really funny, because that's that was, also extremely, like, a party move. It's just I, like, look what your kid's doing. I really loved Selva being in the corner. Selva's one of the main characters, but, like, she she kind of, like, the kid at, like, some point late in the movie is, like, hanging out, drinking the spiked sangria, and Selva doesn't, like, walk over to him. She just, like, is looking at him and just points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of really good acid acting that's that's exactly like the kind of scene i was talking about where it's like when you're on acid and you see something like i should stop that you're just like (laughs) oh man trying to process that that's something i should stop and that i have the ability to stop it that's too too high level yeah that's that's five steps ahead of where i'm I'm at right now i'm just reacting right now i just have to be present in my own reaction and that's what acid does to you um which makes it really upset Upsetting that Gaspar Noe's idea of like, so what happens when like society breaks down? Yeah. Kids die. Yeah. (laughs) I guess. Um, yeah, there was like, God, there was this other great part of, of, of just really good acting where like Selva is talking to this character and the character's like, I didn't drink anything. And she's, she's like, and Selva's just like, oh, why? Uh, and the girl's like. There's something growing in my stomach. No, she, and, and she we, starts off with like, can you keep a secret? She's like, I always keep secrets. And then she just goes, can you keep a secret from me? And she's like, okay, I'll keep a secret. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I have something growing inside me, which if you've never done acid, if you're pregnant, that is the worst thing to say to somebody <laughs> on acid. Because Zelda has this reaction that's like... What? She, the fuck? She literally looks like she just opened her mouth and said, I'm an alien. Because <laughs> she goes, do, and then, you, do you know what it is? And then, like, she says, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, like, literally your response. Like, like, do you know what's growing inside you? And she's like, bitch, I'm pregnant. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm pregnant. And then she's like, what do you... What is wrong? Like, it's like <laughs> she doesn't know that everyone else is on acid because she yeah. left be- when people started coming up thinking that they were just getting too drunk. Yeah. And she's also like, I think she's like one of the characters who doesn't do any drugs. So she doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. But it's she just, is. it's, it's, that scene is pitch perfect, like drug acting. Just like, I have something growing inside me. And her reaction of just like, of like, I can't <laughs> just don't <wow>. say that. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that shit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, there's, a lot of a lot of the movie is really funny and slapstick in a way that it's maybe not meaning to be. Um, so you brought up something very interesting as we left the theater that I thought that I that I was really interested to kind of explore, which is that like there's an element of the movie where it it kind of asserts that acids this thing that brings out the public the sort of public unconscious. Yeah, no, it's um, it's the the thing I brought up in the, like when we're exiting the film is like. 
I always want to try to meet directors at where they are. I don't like to like read bad intent into a movie. But there's a level in the film where it's like the framing. There's like a bit where it's like this is a French film and and France is proud of it or something. And they keep referring to the French flag that is like a backdrop for major scenes. Mm -hmm. And then they do a very heavy handed job of of like emphasizing that this is a sort of diverse crowd. Not necessarily in like just a (laughs) racial way, but it's like when they're doing all their dance moves and the big collaborative dance thing, they're all doing or like they're like specific groups and types of different dances that they're doing yeah very genre dances there is like specific tensions that are being played with with like characters aren't really like explicitly saying i'm this or that but from the ways they interact you can kind of tell like some of these characters are straight some of them are bi some of them are gay yeah some of them are trans none of it's ever explicitly stated there's a lot of really kind of tensions there's a lot of tension and conflict with like with character sexualities and like desires kind of like not intersect or like the way the way that like a a sort of femi like boy character who's like interested in this other man gets like pushed away um that feels really it's kind of the tip of the iceberg on how like cynical this movie can be and so then the problem is like you have all these people working together and talking about how france has the best dance scene and there's this sort of feeling of like France is the best dancing because of our diversity of cultures and, like, people and ideas. But when society breaks down, <laughs> isn't that, like, bad? <laughs> and it's like, I don't want to say that that's what he's feeling, but France is an extremely xenophobic cult country. Yeah. With, right now especially, an extremely huge, like, xenophobic racist anti-immigrant anti-diversity policy and how it's ruining french culture and so when you reach a very proud france film that features that and then features that breaking down and becoming awful and horrifying and like people dying Mm -hmm. there's a part of me that worries is what you're saying here is that the unconsciousness of france is that it's bad that it's diverse the closest to a self-aware tag on that is that when they first start coming up and realize they've been drugged the first character they immediately decide had to do it is the character named Omar. And yeah. they just lock him out and he freezes to death. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 even when they realize that he's not it, no one goes and like, oh, we should let him in. Like, they realize, like, almost immediately, like, oh, he's probably not the one who did it. And they just don't let him in. Yeah. It's it's very, like, that. that's the closest that it gets to kind of understanding what it's, what it's playing with. Um, and there's also something interesting that kind of uh, consequently happens where... Um, it, 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 Omar no longer being there. Omar is like the partner of this trans woman who's there, who is then later like her overprotective brother just becomes overly involved and like then, then like tries to have sex with her. But then like, it's it's basically revealed that the reason he's so overly protective and has been trying to get her to stop sleeping with this guy the whole movie is because he, they have an incest, they had at some point an incestuous relationship. Which, uh, for me, uh, Enter the Void also has incest stuff in it. Uh, you think Gaspar Noe fucked his sister? Probably. I mean, it's like a <laughs> situation at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no! Wait, hold on, shut up! Fuck you, I'm bleeping that! <laughs> okay, so. Uh... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's bleep that out. It's funny <laughs> that way. Uh, I don't care about spoiling this film because it's like the second those two were introduced, they're both, they're like the first characters that you're seeing on camera together and the way they interact is like, oh, it's going to be revealed that they like fuck. Like, that's going to be their big secret that comes out. And then yeah. I was like, 
he's not going to do that. I was like, that's like, that's such a cliche art movie thing is like, mm-hmm. here's a brother and sister who have a weird dynamic. It's because they fuck. Yeah. It's like, and then it's literally, that's it. Like, art that's house, it. Art house filmmakers are the only people stupid enough to ever like have listened to Freud. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, like, oh, it's so, it's. It gets into the biggest heart of, like, my problem with this film, yeah. which is the ideas that it's playing with, not just in terms of, like, what happens when, like, a society breaks down with people who are from different backgrounds and have extremely different wants and desires. And then what happens, like, on an individual and on an interpersonal level when, like, your filter is just completely gone and you weren't prepared for it. And the answer is, oh, it's all the things you guessed in the first 20 minutes of this fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what's it, what's the deeper meaning of the interpersonal dynamic and the sister and the brother? Oh, they fuck. That's it. How does the sister feel about it? I don't know. Brother uh, feels guilty. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, who cares about what she feels? Like, there's this whole thing where she's like, really like, it, it, it's it's played as a rape scene. Like, yeah. Uh, like, sorry. Like, content. You know, we're gonna throw the content warnings on this one as, as always. But just, just like, and then all of a sudden, the next morning. We see them in bed together. Well, he dragged her to bed after she had a seizure. That's right. Because, like, I thought that it... The, what I thought, a bad I thought, movie. I thought he was going to go in the direction of necrophilia. So, Gasper, good on you not yeah. going there. <laughs> yeah, I was really expecting that. There was uh, also, like, it just, like, the slapstick, really, of just, like, the girl being like, oh, yeah, no, my roommate started putting LSD in her eyes, and I, I, I'm, I can't do that. And then at the end, she's the one putting she's LSD the, in her she's eyes. She's the one who did it. It's like, it's... Oh, that was her big secret. She peed the floor because she's done acid before wow. or something. I don't know. It's such a... Peekaboo. There's so much like, oh, what's the deal with these two characters where one of them is definitely not interested in the other guy, but he keeps trying to be pushy because they hooked up at one point. Yeah. Oh, she doesn't want to see him anymore. Oh, that's it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's okay. All and right. And then she fucks someone else and that's like her whole fucking plot. And like, Yeah. What's what's the, the guy who seems like he's a little racist and homophobic and like way too horny's deal? Oh, he's racist and homophobic and way too horny? Yeah. That's um, that's it? Okay. So really, when you break society down, it's just people are just one-dimensional stereotype characters that you could fucking describe in five seconds. Yeah. So there's also, like, some sort of thing where it's, like, based on a real event. I mean, it says that. I but don't that, think it's But it's actually... also, like, yeah, there, okay, it's like, there's there was a party, like, a French, a French dance troupe who spiked their drink with LSD. Uh, I don't know. This film is all about people creating something together and failing in the second half. The Tower of Babel. With the influence of alcohol or something, everything falls. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. So I take it back. It is just racist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're invoking Tower of Babel. Okay, I see. (laughs) Oh, great. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. Do you want to talk about your gays thing? Because there's a quote I see up there where he's like... um, Hold on, let's just scroll up a little bit. He's like, I had all seen that movie by Davy or something about Ray's. I was amazed by these young kids dancing like they were possessed by evil forces. Oh, uh, yeah. So, like, okay. The, the thing, uh, I, I can tell you why I wanted to like this movie and why I wanted to like this movie is really like the first 15 minutes of the movie, um, which is just you, you get to look at a really incredible, like, uh, choreographed like dance troupe like do their bit like do their dance and it's like great it's like it's it's really good there's a lot of like really shocking uh really cool it, setups it goes, it goes on really long but it's yeah 
Oh, it's so gorgeous. Yeah, there's like so so the so the beginning. There's all this beautiful choreography and the and really what I really what I like to look for in a movie is um, choreography where like the cinematography is also choreographed. Uh, with, like the beginning of Black Swan also really blew me away when and also like in the similar way the rest of the film the rest of Black Swan like did not blow me away at all. Like I I, I was really disappointed by it and I was also really disappointed by this movie just because like. It, it it starts out where there's this harmony between these two between these two uh forms between dance and film um and and it's and it functions in this very impressive way and there's this there's this really good one shot that I that I that I happen to like I I, I I'm not really that impressed by one shots anymore um but it was it was it was fine um and then kind of as the movie progresses those two those two forms of art, kind of stop being in, like, they kind of stop being in sync and in conversation with each, with each other, excuse me, um, and they instead kind of fight against each other. Um, like, I found that there was all of this stuff where he was just holding the camera upside down toward the end of the movie, and um, there was all this red lighting, and all, all, all of the dancers were being sort of, like, made to, made to make themselves abject, and Jay pointed out that there was this, like, hilarious bone snapping like Ed Ed Nettie sound effects that were well, happening. Well, one of them is contorting around. It's like, oh, like, this isn't horrifying enough that it's upside down and red and distorted at an angle that you can't quite see what he's doing. Every time he moves, I'm just going to add a, like, mm-hmm. like, and I'm like, because, like, what that was always like, like, oh, is he actually breaking his bones? Oh, no, he just doesn't know how contortion works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and, and, and it's kind of just, like, what, I don't know, like, okay, Gaspar Noe says, like, I want to make a horror movie about this thing that happened. Uh, how do I make it scary? Um, I'll point the camera at, like, sexual assault and dancers doing their craft, but in a way that I have decided is scary. It's, it's creepy. Isn't yeah. it creepy if you were walking down the hall and a person was just dancing and also you're in a dance troupe, so that's not weird at all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and I mean, like, there, there's some dissonance between, like, some of the stuff that's happening and the fact that people are still dancing that's being played with. But that's also very funny to me. Yeah, and also just like like that that ends up becoming like I said, like yeah, that just is what like an acid party that's just going to shit is yeah, like. Is yeah. just some people who just are totally on the wrong wavelength for what's going on. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, and some of the sh- some of the filming just kind of got in the way of of, of like the cool stuff that I wanted to see. Um, and then, like all this, the, and like all everything that basically everything that happened was shit that I didn't want to see. <laughs> I I did like in that sort of like way of like actually adding horror was just like as they move through the building, there being certain parts of the building where if you go through it, you will hear someone screaming. Yeah, <laughs> like there's the kid locked in the electrical closet, and there's a woman who gets set on fire, and like where did she go? And at the end of the film, you find out that she's been in like a bathroom in one of the hallways just pouring water on herself over and over again and like screaming because it's in she's in agony yeah and i did like that in terms of like that was actually unsettling because you started to learn when from the layout whenever you're, a character is going by a certain area you're either going to hear a child like screaming and bleeding or you're going to hear a woman screaming and you can't figure out where she's scream where she is yeah that was really good <laughs> that's it that's it Those are, like that was the only part where i was like that was scary yeah I, 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 I think that, like, visually it has it has everything going for it. Um, as far as just the design, uh, it had a really good soundtrack. The um, actors, God bless them. Actors, bless them. Bless the material they had. Loved, loved like, 
love the weird dad's like dad child dynamic between um the character whose name is actually like Daddy Smiles and yeah. the the little gay twink who's like really wants to lose his virginity and he's like don't rush yourself and then at the end he's like wearing like really thrown on drag and he's like don't and he's like I'm scared he's like don't be we're home darling yeah that was, <laughs> that was beautiful that was that that was like God I wish like. That made me be like, wow, I really wish we got more of these two characters in our lives because they definitely have them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel the 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 thing about the film is that it kind of like it it talks about queer art, but it feels so like it feels a little bit predatory and it feels it feels like it doesn't really get the sort of like, I don't know, like th- there there is a, there is an element there is a kind of a Tower of Babel ish sort of, like, Icarus, like, you know, thing with queer projects sometimes, where it's like, okay, sometimes things, sometimes things fall apart, sometimes people are, like, shit to each other, and, like, all that, um, and I, I think coming from the perspective that this movie comes from, I, I, it just comes across as kind of annoying, and, like, the ways that it presents itself are, like, just, just short of feeling accurate, or, like, the, in, the ways that they do feel accurate feel really sort of exhibitionist, and, yeah, uh, a little bit and a little bit tasteless. Um, I also feel like I, the film kind of frames some of the queer people as pretty predatory in a way that, like, like the the twink being way too pushy with the like white supremacist guy. Yeah, kind of felt like there was an attempt to make them equalized there, and I'm like, mm, it's not really. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. this twink is like drugged and doesn't really know what's going on, and is also like tiny, <laughs> and this guy is like. Attempting to fuck literally any woman and like touching them without them even seeing who who's touching them. Yeah, it's really um, bad. Plus, you have Dom, the 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 bald butch woman, physically assaulting a pregnant woman. I fucking hate art house directors. Like, don't deserve. Rights. And then, like, all of them see. The scene where they're all surrounding her and they're screaming at her to like kill herself and to like cut herself. That was like. If this movie had earned that, I would have really liked that scene. Because that is, like, a nightmarish kind of thing that could absolutely happen in that kind of scenario. And, like, the way in which the characters constantly just would turn on each other and then immediately forget that they had turned on each other. Yeah. Like, works really well with the ideas that the film is playing with. Uh Uh-huh. But, again, it's, like, none of the characters have, like, anything. It's, like, what happens when society breaks down. The characters are the exact same cliches they were at the start of the film. Yeah, they have the exact same motivations. They don't really change. They don't really go... like Nothing they... that happens in the film doesn't seem like it wouldn't have happened if they just got too drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's a frustrating film because, like, they go through... They just go through trauma and then they don't really change. And then, like, nothing really kind of comes out of anything. Um, and then it, it has the audacity I, to end up the girl putting LSD in her eyes and she has a book that's like, LSD is therapy. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wasn't this a transformative experience? And it's like, no, it, you literally just reinforced all the same things that happened. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. Which, just, maybe that works for the message of the film with the whole climax thing, but the experience of watching it is just watching a director spin his wheels and be like, isn't it fucked up when kids die? Yeah. <laughs> It's, if a mom gave up dancing to be with her child and her child died, she'd probably kill herself. <laughs> I don't. I didn't want to do any visual or sound effects to reproduce the feeling you're having when you're on drugs, bitch. Well, well, you did. Well, you did. I. 
I'm just reading his quotes and I hate him. He's and I hate f- Gaspar Noe and he's a hack and he's a piece of shit. Um, such a disappointment. How dare you ruin such a good concept? <laughs> Go live in the suburbs, you bitch. <laughs> Ari Aster, can you do a remake of Climax? <laughs> yeah. Just do a remake. Fucking, they're letting James Gunn do a remake of Suicide Squad. You can make her just call it The Climax. Wait. No, they're not. Yeah, James Gunn is remaking Suicide Squad. No, He's rebooting not. it as The Suicide Squad. No. Same actors. Look no. it up. Either that or That's like people true. have been lying at me. <laughs> <laughs> the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad 2 is a total reboot. And will be done before Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Bitch, what the fuck? I think people should be excited. Yeah, it's, it's a James Gunn movie. He's just... He's literally just making a new Suicide Squad movie and just completely scrapping the first one. What the fuck? And he's talked about how he's like, I want to call it The Suicide Squad. See, first of all, we don't call it Suicide Squad 2 because it's a total reboot. So it's The Suicide Squad. I'm going <laughs> to fucking scream. Hey, honestly, I loves it. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think we should just start, oh, that movie had some ideas that we liked, but it sucked. Let's just remake Let's it. Let's do it again. Let's, Let's just do it again. Well, you know, do someone do Climax again. Yeah, someone just, look, there was a five-year gap between those. Fucking get on it. Three get years. It. You can yeah, just remake no. it. This is, Let's start writing. I would love to see Climax, but like actual horror and then like the, I don't know. Climax, but directed by the guy who did Call Me By Your Name and Suspiria. Since they're going to yeah! fucking, fucking quote Suspiria in this anyway. I mean, at that point, let's just watch Suspiria, which I got to watch anyway. It's really good. All right. Well, um, what would you rather have spent the ticket price on? Acid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Act, an actual, just actual acid. Yeah, same, actually. I think that would have been a much more um, a much more fulfilling experience. Uh, the review I put on Letterboxd for this film was like, I feel like you'd get more out of this film if you've done acid before, but also I think you'd get more out of this film if you just did acid and then didn't watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I actually really, we, let's, let's plug our Letterboxd. Oh yeah, uh, so we have letterbox now. <laughs> I'm a J A E Bear Hat. I'm Baru B A R R O O. Um and it's actually a lot of fun. We're doing like little funny little, you know, we'll do little tiny clips, reviews that we put like up. Micro reviews of movies that we just watched. It's not it's not related to film critters necessarily. It's just I mean, It's supplemental and you, yeah. if you if you follow us, you'll probably see what we're going to be doing upcoming. Yeah. And I I know episodes that it's about I know that like the new social network rigmarole sucks ass, and but like it's it's fun, it's fine. Um, it's fine. It's not on the App Store you anymore. Yeah, it might be true. back up now, but it's it's. They it, didn't pay their Apple rent. They, they literally didn't pay their Apple rent and got taken off the App Store. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, follow us on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what what would you have rather spent your ten dollars on? Um, or what, what are you glad you didn't spend your ten dollars on? I I would rather have spent it on acid. I'm glad I didn't spend it on. Um, I'll go. I'm glad I didn't spend it on bad acid. I'm glad I didn't spend it on salvia. <laughs> well, salvia would have been shorter. That's true. Would have gotten out of the way quicker. You would have gotten it done. You'd have been in and out. Yeah. <laughs> this movie was like three hours. Yeah, this movie's way longer than salvia. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> that's that's the, the tagline. Climax is longer than salvia. <laughs> By the way, I've never done salvia. Uh, I've, I've also we've also we've never done drugs. We've never done. If never, you're a I've cop and you're listening to this, acid. Uh, p- to the police, I am a good girl. Uh, n- I'm normal and do, do the bad thing. Uh, if you get a chance to see a German horror film called Der Nachtmare, it does very. It does kind of some similar uh, visual and disorientation things, uh, and it's way better and it's really good and I like it a lot. I really want to check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank um, you for. 
Thanks. Uh, watching the show, as Rebecca yeah. Sugar says at the end of every episode of OKKO. Okay, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Anyway, um, yeah. So we have. Uh, if if you happen to be of the persuasion that you have us that you have us um, subscribed on Patreon, um, then you will get to vote in our new poll coming up, which is going to be which you guessed it, which 420 movie? Which 420 movie? Because it's the weed month next month. Yeah, so that's gonna be a that's gonna be for Patreon exclusive content. We're gonna watch a movie about weed uh, that, of your choosing, patrons. Of your choosing. Uh, you also get to hear things like this. Three days in advance. Yeah. So if you really want to know in advance, if you yeah, see if you a movie want to, that's been out for two weeks. Yeah. If, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to have known about Greta and Climax three days ago exactly for some reason, um, hey, join our Patreon. Join our exclusive membership club. It's very... Uh, once once we get full episodes out again, uh, we also are going to have people be be voting yeah. on what, what, what we cover next. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So look forward to that. That'll be fun. Yeah. But until then. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) Bye.